Today is Friday, May 19th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Let's talk about the moral superiority of Christianity, or not. Then we talk about some dude named Jack and uh, try to get away from the middle school drama. Then we talk about whether or not Adam was literal and historical, if he needs to be. Why would Adam need to be a literal person? So we're going to talk about that for a while. And uh, take care, everyone. Enjoy this podcast. Enjoy your Friday. Enjoy your weekend. Check out the Ask a Christian book available on Amazon. Check out the Ask a Christian store. Grab a t-shirt. Support the cause. And click the link if you like. And just donate to the podcast to keep us going and sharing Jesus with the internet. So see you all next time. Goodbye. Another point. And then before they know it, the point they're trying to make, they, they get caught, and they know they're caught, and they know there's no way out of it, and they should just be like, you're right, I, I, you know, I can still win the war, but I've lost the battle, I concede. But they, they get so dug in that no matter what they say, apparently, like, justifying rape, um, they're just going to, like, dig in. Even though I like to think, even they don't actually believe it, they're just unwilling to concede. That's my hope. I, I don't know. I don't know what his thought process was. I was. I was. I was trying really hard. He was talking to, to Rapscuttle about it, uh, and I was trying really hard to understand it. But uh, it, essentially, uh, and again, the replay is available. So if you feel like smashing your face, you know, against the wall, <laughs> go back and listen to it. But it, it, like it, essentially, because because God is good, and it, you know, like basically, because God is good, whatever happens is good. And so if, um, if so the, Rab's asked the question, or I, actually he, he made, he made a declarative statement. He said, if you saw a rape happening, you would try to stop it. Oh, John's Lord. response was, and John's well, I mean, and which is true, right? Like if you saw a rape happening, was the answer? No, no. The answer was, unless I was omniscient. Unless what? Unless I was omniscient, and if I was omniscient, I might know why the rape was happening, and it might be a good thing in the end. I'm not kidding. I have no words. Yeah, I, I just I, and when and then your banner came up, and I'm like, you know, thank you, Nate. <laughs> yeah, like I that's I, and I was just shaking my head, like I just I didn't know what to say or do at oh that my. point. Well, what I was going to do, what yes. what I was going to say if I had the chance was. Don't at like, please don't ever, or at least in John's case, don't ever tell me that Christianity is morally superior again. Like if, if you don't, if some, if you see something completely disgusting happening, you have a moral imperative to stop it. And this is just, this is not something that there's no vagueness or ambiguity in this. And, and, and if, if you don't see that, that's a short, and if you think somehow that your faith or belief is a justification for that, you need a new faith or belief. I guess I would say it's fortuitous that I, I don't know. Were you here for the Jack discussion yesterday? Like, I don't know the guy apparently he hates me because I don't know. I guess my podcast touches him in the wrong way. 
so I, I've never met him, but it's like Jack Ames, Ainstrike or something. Yeah. I get, anyways, I people were talking. I have something to tell okay. you. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I, I'm going to interrupt again, but I have an entire story to tell you about Jack Oh, Ames. no, no, no. Okay, page. hang on. We don't have time for a story, and I really don't care about this guy because I don't know him. The point is, um, the way you talked about Christianity being moral, morally superior, first of all, I'd say it's, it's independent of someone claiming to be a Christian with some, you know, wacky ideas. Um, secondly, I'd say it's fortuitous that we had this, someone brought this topic of Jack to my room yesterday, where apparently, um, I don't know if it was like specific to Jack or that took the larger, uh, the larger context, but it was atheist um, admitting, like, you know, we're not trying to be more morally superior. We'll go straight to the gutter. We don't give a crap. And they were apparently justifying like sexual activity with a 12 year old. And if that wasn't enough, then someone threw out, they had heard this person through text message say the same thing about a five-year-old. So I would say, um, you know, while there may be tenets and principles of atheism, like generally, or Christianity or theism, theistic religions tentatively, um, we can compare morality based on the, the widely accepted base tenets. Um, but as far as how someone interprets that, it's entirely subjective and we all have insane people. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, I would, I, I would concede that for a second. So I got, and, and I don't want to drag it down the hole, but just so, so from my, like, and cause I was involved in this to a very minute amount. I, I extricated myself from the discussion. Um, so I, I went into, I can't remember which room it was, but I went into a room yesterday and, uh, Mac, uh, Mac Ruber, he, like, as soon as I went up on stage, he just jumped on me. He was, a, he was like a dog on a, he was, he was fat kid on a smarty. Like it was ridiculous. He, he just said, he just said, Hey, uh, Michael, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, Jack did this. Are you ready to denounce it now? I'm like, uh, I'm hearing this for the first time. And what I had said to him was, I think I have interacted with Jack two or three times. And I said to him, I said, and I'm not a fan overall. I've heard some of the way he interacts with people. And while I think he has, some of his arguments are good, I've heard him just verbally abuse people like he'll he'll be in rooms and it'll be like you know shut your mouth while i'm talking things like that i'm like that's a terrible way to interact with people i'm like so i'm not a fan in general so if you if you think i'm some kind of angst strike fanboy you're barking up the wrong tree friend i said and then i said do we have you know i asked for evidence you know i asked for things like that so he sent me this screenshot of apparently a conversation and the name was totally different i'm like this is not the same name he's like well this is the person and he admits to being this person I'm like okay uh, but then apparently it came out that his account was hacked last year or something like that. I'm like, okay, so there, so we we have a possibility that this isn't a thing. And he's like, oh, you're so ready to defend him. I'm like, no. If it if it comes, I said, I'm just looking for evidence. If it comes out that this is actually the case, then and I said something different. But I'm basically like, f this guy. Like, I'll never have anything to do with him again. I'm like, so don't try to put me in this in this group of people who will defend someone just because they're afraid of their kind of quote unquote cult standing in a community because I give, I, I give no, I, I don't care at all about that. And uh, it yeah, was, JK, it was really interesting. And JK, yeah, not to shut you down, but I, I mean, even though I brought it up, but it was to make the larger point that, uh, you know, no one's got upper hand on morality claims. It, it's dependent on the person, you know, how they interpret whatever it is they follow or believe or lack of belief in. But yeah, I, I don't want to talk, I don't want to give this Jack dude any more oxygen because I've never met him. <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, anyways, uh, that was fun. Uh, may I just say one quick thing? I promise I'll drop it, but may I say something to you on your stage? Sure. I just want to say there are going to be people that are going to be coming up, trying to come up here and drag you into it. 
They're from my community. I'm ashamed of my atheist community at the moment. Please don't let them up on stage. That's what I want to say. Okay, I love you, you guys. Them for a, you can leave them for a better path. <laughs> may I stay up here and listen, please? Sure, sure. Uh, hey, Harold, what's up? Remember, you oh, can Michael. leave for a better path, but only if you're convinced, right? Well, I mean, I guess you could anyways and brainwash yourself, but no, no one's advocating for that. Uh, Harlequin, what's up? Hey, how you doing? Uh, you oh, you're super quiet. Uh, yeah, we can, actually can't hear you at all. Maybe leave and come back. Morning, uh, Good morning, James. What's hey. up? Just JK, what are you embarrassed about? Oh my God, Mr. Corletti, you know, I'm ashamed. I'm not embarrassed. I'm ashamed of my atheist community at the moment because a lot of them are giving largesse and they are they are trying to promote this weirdo Jack and 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 trying we've to, agreed we're gonna stop talking about know, <laughs> yeah that's what i'm uh, okay. I, i'm ashamed of y'all gotcha. some a lot of y'all gotcha okay well michael back to you wait so so jack is voldemort now nay is that <laughs> I, someone is talking and i don't even see them oh harlequin there you are you came back <laughs> oh geez well yeah so i mean i don't funny. i don't like you know it's like when the when whenever there's occasionally john drama like apparently now there is again and you know people that i i mean i I mean, I actually know John, um, but I mean, you know, people I don't know very well or I want part of the conversation it always makes me feel like a like a catty schoolgirl, like, you know, be talking about people and gossipy when I'm like have very little knowledge about the conversation and barely know the people at all. Yeah. yeah. And that's got to be really obnoxious. But it's like also it's a little fun, though, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, the drama llama is fun to ride from time to time. I mean, but, um, being a schoolgirl, it's a little bit fun, you know, a little bit. <laughs> So, anything uh, else on your mind? Well, so I was just saying, like, so then Jack in that situation oh, would crap. be like Voldemort. It would be like the thing we don't mention. Yeah, sure. Like, uh, Michael has a couple, or at least one other, um, he who shall not be named. <laughs> That's right. Just remember, like, it was funny. He was, uh, so I'll say that. <clears throat> um, he who shall not be named. Ding dong. Um he uh, he popped into a room that actually Chris was in uh, a few minutes ago. Chris, just, I, I back channel Chris saying this will be fun, and he just he res responded a message saying "ug," because I think when when this when you know when Ding Dong popped in, Chris dropped out, and so did I. You know, I just I don't. Um, but it was really interesting, and I think it's thing that I would say to to JK is I, is. I mean, you, you can feel however you feel about a community, right? About a community, about a group of people, about a nation, about a whatever. But um, I, I think in, in the same way that I try to do some compartmentalization. So while I, while I don't have for Christianity in general, there are Christians who I have come to like and have varying degrees of respect for. So I would think that because we, we all have the capacity to walk and chew gum at the same time, while you might not have a lot of fandom for a particular community, you should be able to look at individuals within that community and say that, well, you know, they are more than this, right? Like we are more than the sum of our parts from that way. So because I, I, because I identify as an atheist doesn't mean that I am guilty by association of ABC, X, Y, and Z from whatever else may have happened.
if that makes sense. Makes sense to me. I think she said she was just listening, but uh, yeah. And I mean, you know, if there were, sometimes there are, there are people who identify as Christians who strike me a certain kind of way. And uh, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to throw God out with this. Like, I'm just going to say, these are people who I believe are very, very flawed in their understanding or attitude or whatever. So, you know, don't throw the God out with the bathwater or the, you know, atheism, I guess, in your case. But just saying the, the water is uh, the water is fine over on this side. <clears throat> yeah, it's just like, yeah, I mean, no, can I just say one yeah. more thing real oh, yeah. quick? Y'all don't understand. OK, atheism, first of all, we, uh, you know, a lot of atheists pride themselves on critical thought and reason and rational thinking. They have, they have let it all go in defense of this weirdo. A lot of them. We're talking mobs of them. So I'm upset. Okay, I'm done. I mean, that being said, if there was like a really great YouTube video that I could like watch with popcorn, I mean, you know, someone sent it to me. But yeah, I don't want to continue it um, on this stage. But I mean, yeah. you know, maybe that is a guilty pleasure every now and then. But um, yeah. hey, yeah, someone okay. actually has a question. <laughs> well, someone actually has a godly question. <laughs> oh, I could send you videos, Nate. <clears throat> yeah. I have, I have well, lots of videos to send you. Well, maybe the, the way you say that makes me, <laughs> makes me, uh, maybe I should rescind that. Okay, <clears throat> question. I don't find the churches around me are following the scripture. Is it okay to not go to one? Well, there's a lot to that. <laughs> so I'd say like if they're, if they're like not following the scriptures, like as in not at all, like Jesus says love and they say hate. Um, like if they're totally butchering it, butchering it, then no, run far, far away. Um, if they're not following the scripture, like a, a secondary issue or, you know, like, um, you know, I, I don't know, reform, not reformed issue. Um, then you can say, well, they're not following the scripture, but that's really like an interpretation. So that would be my biggest question is, are, are they really like objectively not following the scripture? Like they're, they're like to a heretical point, um, in which case run or just to a point that you interpret it differently which would be, well, you, you know, may want to seek out a church that follows what you believe is absolutely correct. And if they don't, um, you know, like I would be fine going to a Calvinist church, even though I am not Calvinist and have a lot of issues with the way they interpret their doctrine. Um, but it's not heretical and it's still, you know, it's still fine. So that would be the first question I have. How do you uh, <clears throat> oh, preaching. determine what's heretical? Just curious. Uh, well, real quick, uh, uh, preaching money stuff. You know, I, I, I mean, we're, well, well, hang on. We're, well, we're getting it narrowed down a little bit more. You know, could you just give me the name? Like, is, does the church have like a website or something? Like, I could just like, you know, read their read their little mission statement or something my, myself. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be able to give a super clear answer without knowing exactly what they're saying. Because like Michael said earlier, right? He's like, well, what you're saying makes me want to, you know, side with you. But then upon further investigation, he's like, oh, well, no, this guy's account was hacked and we don't have the full data. So there's always two sides to every story. So, like, you know, to be really accurate, I, I would want to, like, hear it directly from their mouth. So, like, you know, I would say, um, you know, if I was visiting in Texas and, you know, Osteen's church was the closest church around, it was the only one I could really find, I would be fine going there for a service, um, you know, and tune out most of it. I, I don't know. Like, I'm second guessing that as I think of it. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like, is there a website we could check out or some kind of like denomination this is or the pastor or something like that? Because if it's like, you know, money stuff, like, you know, give to the Lord and the Lord can bless you with, the, you know, provisions that you need. Eh, that sounds fine. That sounds like biblical, rooted in biblical principle. If it's like, you know, 
give to me for uh, daddy to buy a new G6 and God will bless you with uh, treasures in heaven. I'll be like, ooh, no, that's bad. So, I mean, it really depends where you're going. But uh, the real, I, I just, oh, wait, Lou, you want to say something? What's up, Lou? Yeah, I was just thinking, like, I think anything that changes the gospel that, or, or goes outside of the gospel or the narrative of the gospel is heretical. Everything else would be probably considered secondary. That's why believing Adam actually existed as a real person, right, is important because he was the first Adam, Christ was the last Adam, and there's, there's, there's a really importance to that. That's part of the gospel narrative. I agree with Lou the real. Like, I think there's, like, God forbid yeah, no, so doctrine. Like, there's, there, there's very few things you have to get right. But if you mess up, like, these very few things, like the gospel, sitting around the gospel, um, then congratulations, you've done something very difficult to do. Um, and people still do it. But, but yeah, I think God forgives uh, crappy doctrine. So there's a lot of stuff you can get wrong and still be fine with. But, I mean, y you really can't mess up, you know. So can I ask like, uh, the, the question? I mean, I'm, I, I do want to say, uh, Nate, you know about me, right? I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm a Trinitarian Christian, and I don't hold to a historical Adam at all in, in any way. And I don't. Wonderful. Think Let's talk about. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> well, hang on. Well, hang, hang on. We we can talk about that moment. I guess we will. But uh, G was in the middle of his question. Yeah, but yeah. Can I just ask the question properly? Because my my problem yeah. is, uh, I feel like that I don't find any church that they are truly following the Bible, the Gospels, like in the sense of sharing the love of Christ, focusing on the scripture. Uh, every church that I go, you know, they have some kind of flaw. I, I understand there's no such a thing of perfect church. I totally get it. But, bro, I'm so tired of uh, going to a place and, and then seeing all the hypocrisy and all these issues that I just decided to take a break for a moment and, and find, you know, see God by myself and and come to these rooms and so on and so forth. But I wanted to see what's the basis that it's a commandment. You have to go to a church. You know what I mean? So so then we're going to have to go to down the road where how do you define a church then? Because that's what I, will, I would just would like to understand, right? So for me to see where should I do pretty much, but it takes a while. Um, yes, hang on. Let me get the scripture real fast. Um... One moment. And then Nate, I'm not gonna interrupt you, but G a suggestion I would I would give you is that you could check out a website called 119 Ministries. And they have a fellowship finder where it is a bunch of people who are very, very dedicated to the scripture. And uh you can find local fellowships in your area and even just families that wanna, you know meet with other believers and things like that. So it's 119 Ministries. They have a fellowship finder on their website. Sorry, Nate. Uh, yeah, it's Hebrews uh, 1025. And this is the one that, you know, people will largely use, and I think rightly so, to encourage people to, you know, worship together in like this Christian church type community. And it's, uh, so, yeah, Hebrews 1025. And let us consider, uh, oh, I can't see any glasses. I'm old. And let's consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. So this is like, you know, this is Paul, like, writing to, like, Christians who are being like, persecuted, and he's telling them, you know, to assemble together to, you know, people interpret that as, like, church. And then, you know, other people who kind of frown on corporate worship will say, well, you know, it says, you know, where two or three are gathered in uh, my name, Jesus will be there. 
So then they try to make a case for like, you know, a home church where there's not really an official pastor or like a deacons, elders, kind of the biblical structure of a church. And I think they do that to their fault. So, you know, I think the the wider under, or the more correct understanding is, yes, the Bible does give uh, does give a scope for pastors, for shepherds of the flock, um, you know, for this church community, for structures, for deacons, things like that. And just like, uh, you know, when people are, are going off the rails and they need to, you know, be kind of um, admonished to, to follow the guy they say they follow, Jesus. And he's like, well, you know, you take them before the elders, take them before the church. And then if they still, you know, are persistent in their sin or whatever, then, you, you know, you turn them over to, well, like Paul, he turns the guy over to the devil. He's like, all right, you know, you won't stop sleeping with your stepmom or whatever it was, mother-in-law. So we turn him over to Satan. So maybe in the end he'll be saved. So you can't do that really in like some kind of home church with no structure. So I, I think there's very good reasons biblically why you should have like this kind of corporate structure, even though no one likes the word corporate structure, um, because you can't you can't do a lot of the stuff without it. Um, and then as far as the word two or three are gathered in my name, I think that's a great case for like small groups and Bible studies, like, you know, in addition to going to church, uh, because then there's no such that's like a prayer group um, more than like some unofficial pastor or something like that. So I, I would say, like, if there is a church, like, at all, because no church is perfect. If a church does anything, it's demonstrating the need for why Christians need Jesus. Um, I mean, you know, we're some of the most flawed people ever. But, um, yeah, that's what I'd say. So uh, I guess you would have to, like, know the Bible enough to know that, you know, where Jesus, like, his death, burial, resurrection, uh, you know, like, these non-negotiable things. Like, he talks about, you know, having faith in him. If you believe in him, you'll have eternal life. Uh, you must be born again. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's very few things that you must get right. So if the church is getting those right, then I would probably suck it up and go unless there's just some other unbearable reason why you cannot. Um, so, they, I mean, they can mess up lots of stuff. But if it's like personality conflicts or something like that, and there's really no other alternative, um, yeah, I, I would just like suck it up and deal with it the best you can um, instead of because what I also see is people who will do that, um, which I was at one point. Um, you know, they'll say, well, because of this, 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 and it's really not unbiblical, but, you know, I don't like this part. So, you know, they're like, I'll just do church online or I'll just do church at home. And the result of that is they never do. And they stop going altogether, even at home. Um, in my experience. I, I literally have two minutes. Can I just um, address yes. Void real quick? Yeah. Um, I oh, gotta yeah. go back to work. But um, no, he asked, he asked, he said he doesn't believe in um, the biblical Adam. So historical that, Adam. I, I, my only question, what's that? Historical Adam, but yeah. Okay, I'm not sure what he meant by that. Maybe you could elaborate. But I'm literal Adam. Does he? Huh? I, I agree with you, Luke. Continue. I'm just wondering. So does he not believe that God um, cursed the ground and 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 punished man through Adam? Is that what you're saying? I don't know. I, I or maybe you could explain your view. I got to go back to work, so I won't be able to respond. But I'm just curious what your view is, and and how do you um do you have a view of sin? Does is sin a thing? Go ahead. I'm sorry, yeah. there's a lot of questions and I won't be able to respond. But go ahead. Uh, usually, uh, when I uh, when I close my view, people are like, "How could you believe anything differently than me?" Just like this. So, uh, Adam in the Bible, uh, from my understanding, Adam is uh, Adam is an archetype. I don't, I don't think anybody would disagree. Adam is an archetype for Israel. Um, that's why there's so many similarities between Adam and Israel. Adam is the first king and uh, priest in God's garden. Israel was supposed to be a nation of kings and priests. 
uh, God gave Adam a job. It was to make the the rest of the world look like Eden. Right here. Wait, hold on, hold on, real quick. I gotta go. I'm not not kidding. I really gotta go right now. But I just want to ask you. So you're saying he is a real person? No, uh, he's based off of Israel. He's not a real person. Okay, I'm listening now. Yeah, Adam is not a real person. He's based off of Israel. Uh, that's why so many similarities between them. Uh, what about sin? Uh, I don't think sin came to the world through Adam sinning, because obviously sin can't come to the world from somebody who doesn't exist. Uh, it's an archetype to Israel. When Israel was introduced with the law, entry, uh, Israel brought sin into the world because they didn't keep the Torah. Uh, yeah, so G, for example, I would say um, if you find a church that is saying that, uh, run. <laughs> um, like that, that would just conflict with so many biblical scriptures, like, you know, how Jesus is compared and contrasted to Adam. It says, you know, how Adam, through one man, sin came into the world and everything got screwed up. So when Jesus, one man comes and everyone can have, you know, salvation through Jesus. So if there's not a literal Adam, like I, I, I will, it's a rhetorical question. I mean, I don't actually want it answered because just no, but how would someone get that? Like Adam being a priest, Adam being a king, an archetype for Israel, um, just just no. Um, Adam has to be literal, otherwise Jesus can't be literal. And obviously, there's too much historical evidence that says Jesus was a literal dude. So that that would that would mess that up. Like if someone wanted a contradiction in the Bible, that would be a way to get one. Um, say Adam and Jesus are not literal, or one is and one isn't. Um, so for Jesus to be literal, which we we know existed, I mean, whether or not someone thinks he's divine. The guy walked around. Um, so then Adam has to be literal. Otherwise, then you've got your Bible contradictions and the story makes no sense. And what are we all doing? Um, well, and, and Nate, too, listen to this. Even if even if you want to go with some of the apocryphal texts that say Adam was a priest, that's fine. It doesn't make him not a literal dude. You know what I mean? So I don't really void. I'm not trying to, you know, you can respond if you like. If it's Nate's room. So I don't know how you know he wants to do that. But. Yeah, I mean, even if you want to take the apocryphal texts that, that say Adam was a priest, uh, he's still a dude, right? Still a real dude. And the genealogies make no sense without it being the case. No, I, I guess that's my kid. I mean, it, it goes back to what I just said. Like, people are like, what? How could you come to any other view but my view? No, brother, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying based on the evidence, your view has no grounding. So why don't you just address... The, well, the actual me, evidence, right? Instead well, of just me, acting me, like everyone's out to get you. Well, let me, let me address it. So, as far as you're also very hard to hear right now, Void. You're chopping. Oh, hold on. And I mean, you know, when you say one view is not like all the others, I mean, you know, not every view is the same, right? Like if we're talking, like you know, you have you have like substantiated evidence for for a certain view versus another view that you're just kind of pulling a rabbit out of the hat. These views are not equal, so it's like not my view versus well, that's just your opinion. I mean, if you're both doing the exact same thing, then sure. But if one is like, you know, grounded in whatever evidence you have that is logical and reasonable and convincing or, or whatever, and someone else is like, well, I just think this, um, all views are not equal. Um, I'm in agreement. Yeah. The, I, the, hey, so, you, you, you well, have to. Oh, good. Well, Silverstar came up. I, I wanted to see if they had something to say about this or anything else. Hey, it's been a long time since I've seen you. Silver, how are you? Yeah, I'm fine. Thanks for asking. Uh, how are you doing? Good, good. Did you hear this conversation? Did you hear anything to weigh in uh, about the literal item? Uh, just a little bit. I caught the tail end, so I just came in. So uh, a few of my friends uh, came in as well. So Stacey's yeah, just following me around, Nate. It's it, it's a whole thing. He just he follows <laughs> me wherever I go. Yeah, likewise. We troll each other for fun. Okay. No, actually, I like Michael. Um, so, uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I – 
what all I caught was um, there was a someone was saying that Jesus um, wasn't a literal person or, or his words aren't to be taken literally. Uh, maybe you could clarify what, what the position was for whoever. Oh, no. uh, well, well, we'll backtrack a little bit. Uh, yeah, we were talking about how, um, well, it started with G, oh, who's gone now, who was saying his uh, church didn't follow the scriptures and it's okay not to go to a church because he can't find a church that follows the scriptures. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? Like, they're not following scriptures, like you don't agree with some secondary interpretations or they're like going into super deep heresy. Um, and uh, anyway, so that's where it came from. And I'm like, well, and Lou and I were like, well, look, as long as they don't mess up the gospel, then you should try to, you know, work with the church and try to suck it up and go if it's just an, a difference on secondary stuff. Um, and then we we're talking about well, what is the gospel? And Lou's like, well, you know, the literal Adam, uh, literal Jesus, you know, sin, the fall, death, burial, resurrection, forgiveness, like, you know, going through kind of the gospel. And then Boyd says, well, you know, he, he holds to a lot of that stuff but not that Adam was a literal person. So that's what we were talking about, like um, how if Adam is not literal, um, you, you, we, we can't, I don't see how someone draws that conclusion that he's an archetype for Israel, he was saying. Like without a literal Adam, then you don't have a literal Jesus. But we know Jesus was obviously literal, so you have to have a literal Adam. Like, you know, just like as one, one man's sin came and, you know, the, the earth fell, um, Jesus is, the, you know, the second Adam who does things right. So, like, the Bible makes no sense without a literal atom. That's where we were. Now you're cut up. No, that helps a bit. That, that frames it much better now. I think that helps. So, yeah, it's highly, highly problematic to dismiss uh, Adam as uh, having been a literal person. So um, that just opens up a whole can of worms. Uh, you know, I, one of the first great theologians, perhaps the first systematic theologian of church history, uh, you may know uh, of Origen. Origen uh, actually asked a lot of great questions, uh, especially about uh, Old Testament and about Adam being a little person who came up. But he, in, he really fell uh, on his sword quite a bit because he came up with all the wrong answers. Uh, even though he's considered a church father by many, uh, he was not really canonized officially. Um, because of his straight-up heretical answers on so many points of doctrine. Uh, and where he went wrong, typically, was allegorizing. He would allegorize the scriptures. And uh, it, what, that, what that does is it devoids the historicity or the reliability, and it just opens it up for a million and one interpretations. And then you can't develop a body of, of canon or of solid doctrine and you end up with all kinds of wrong answers, and so um, so it's quite right to um, to be concerned about that position. Steph, you have thoughts on that? Welcome, good morning. Hey, you know how I was just railing and thanks that we're star. How I said like the forties were my least favorite uh, era in like all of history. Well, my daughter for her class got assigned uh, different er eras, and uh, she got stuck like there was like seventies, eighties, nineties. I'm like, oh, eighties would have been awesome, but she got stuck with forties. So I had to like take her to school today and she was like all dressed like a 40s person with the hair and the dress like the polka dots and i'm like oh gosh this is hard to look at my own child um anyways so that's my morning okay steph's not speaking uh the real no that's uh, poetic oh. justice in my opinion uh maybe you'll learn <laughs> to like uh real do you have any follow-up to what silver said or void i guess since you're the one that well not that no I was, yeah on. i was just wondering what like where Boyd is getting this information because like I said even from the apocryphal 
extra biblical texts, you, you do get some stuff about Adam being like trained as a priest or whatever, but you'd still get him being a literal person. So yeah, if he could just avoid, if you don't mind, just tell me like where you're getting this from, like book, chapter, verse kind of deal, you know, some proof, man. Yeah, so you're not going to find a book, chapter, verse that says that, but you do have well, to use enough. historical... That's all we need, right? No, 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 no. You do have to use historical context clues, right? Like, we don't just open up the Bible, right, and just say, well, the Bible says... It. I mean, some people might do that, but with any other piece of literature, you use context clues, you use intertextuality, you use uh, hermeneutics, right? So, uh, as far as Adam... I think we're starting with the assumption that Adam was a historical person without actually looking at why was the story made. So uh, the point was made, if Adam didn't exist, Jesus didn't exist. That just doesn't make sense no matter how you splice it. Because the story of Jesus and the story of Mad Adam were written or made in two different time periods by completely different authors. Uh, and they're completely different genres. Uh, the genre of the Jesus narrative is historical. And Jesus is written as a historical person. The story of Adam is written thousands of years before jesus was even born as a man um so yeah but bro listen i'm gonna cut you off for a second because here's what you're not understanding maybe is that adam is in the genealogy of christ okay so i understand saying, that hold on, hold on hold on hold on hold on so wait, wait, but saying, you, you, hold on you cut, hold me, on, hold you cut on. me off i know you bro i know bro because you're just rambling you're no not no you cut me point. off and i'm talking uh, come on bro yeah go ahead and continue real yeah void i'm sorry i wasn't trying to cut him off but like yeah. I understand. Like when people make such such wild points and they won't stay on point to make their point, that is is nuts to a lot of us. Then I mean, I, I understand cutting off, even though I don't like to. But yeah, go ahead. I, I mean, I mean, to they're clarified too. Yeah. Like, well, we've talked about saying, this a lot. Well, he's saying right that that the narrative of Jesus is a historical narrative. Great, but guess what? Your historical narrative has, in your view, void a fictional character in his genealogy. How does that work, bro? Do you get you guys see what I'm saying, right? Very good point. Uh, I'm going to back you up there, real. In fact, we read in Genesis five one. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, He made him in the likeness of God. That's literal. It's historical narrative. It's appealing to the fact that he was an actual person. And then we also read in in Genesis and Romans uh, five twelve to seventeen that he's also identified as a real historical person then as you said um adam is identified in the genealogical line of christ himself back all the way to the first man luke three thirty eight. we see that we see adam identified is uh, in the genealogy list of christ the son of enos the son of seth the son of adam the son of god that's that's luke three thirty eight. Yeah, I actually find this super interesting, too, because like as a, I mean, you know, opinion of a godless heathen, right? But if if you don't, if, from a Christian perspective, if you don't have Adam, I don't see why you need Jesus. And so, like, and that's just, again, that's just my opinion. It may, maybe that's an oversimplification, but that's that's kind of my take on it. And uh, real quick, uh, Rosalie, I saw your, it says your hands raised. If you're trying to speak, um, just let me know. But I, I did invite you. I don't know if that was an accident or what, but um, sometimes Clubhouse is weird. So I did try. I see the little icon that says you raised your hand. Um, hey, Serendipity. Welcome. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Well, ask me in 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I will. So, um, also on this, um, 
this idea of, I think maybe the confusion was, and maybe this kind of goes to Michael's point, there is a, a, an importance of a understanding that Adam is the prototype for all human that, that came after. And that includes prophets, priests, and kings. And of course, we see that Christ fulfills all of those offices in himself as prophet, priest, and king. But we understand also from the condition that we were left in because of Adam and Eve's rebellion, uh, also called the fall of Adam, uh, that we're all descendant of Adam and we inherit that condition. So it, it would undermine a lot, including that doctrine, which we call the doctrine of original sin, that Michael is astute enough to point out, even though he's uh, a professed atheist, would say, hey, what's the need then? But see, Christ is called the second Adam because he fulfills what Adam not able to fulfill in those uh, those those that priestly kingly and prophetic uh, function of those offices uh rosalie did you have anything to say welcome by the way it's been a while hi nate hi thank you yeah i think i must have clicked accidentally but thank you for inviting me i'll chime in if i have something to say thank you oh sure uh mr persian prince what's up how is your kingdom this morning how you doing, buddy? Um, look, I'm here because uh, I believe that faith is a very powerful thing, and I've, I've got some good Christian friends from a good few years, for a good few years now. And um, I'm Iranian. Unfortunately, you know, the the place I was born in was Iran, and uh, this means that you know my nation is cursed, if that makes sense. And for 44 years now, you've had the darkest, most evil, satanic kind of regime you know, in power there. And for 44 years, there's been global powers who operate in the shadows, who've kept them in power, yeah, who've kept them there. The same people, you know, who bring about the likes of Taliban or, you know, uh, the uh, the Syrian, uh, you know, um, mishap and so on. But what I'm saying is, if you can pray for Iran, if you can pray for Iran to be rid of this regime and back to its old days of glory, you know, I would really appreciate that. That's all. I will definitely do that. I appreciate your, yeah, I appreciate your comments. Does anyone have a, a follow-up to that? But yes, I will do that, Prince, and I, I agree. Um, hopefully good things will happen there. Thank you. See you. Good morning. Um, Are you speaking? Yes. So um, the yeah, I don't I don't think you can be Christian and not believe in Adam. That seems like a tough one. I mean, I guess technically you can, but I don't I don't know how you get to a coherent place with that. Oh yeah, for the other guy, yeah, Prince, I should ask you to keep up that to the United States and that your prayers as well. Someone says uh, you know maybe not to the level you're talking about yet, but I think we're well on our way to becoming uh, you know quite cursed ourselves. So uh, yes. I will pray for you. Uh, keep us in your prayers as well. Um, we definitely need it. That's a good point. Uh, whoever said that in chat. Yeah, and and you know, people like I, I really, I, I hate to, you know, I'm a little slower on the heretic trigger than most, but um, yeah, I mean that that's tough, right? To not believe in a literal atom. Like if someone if someone is new or you know doesn't understand and all they know is is like the very gospel, like you know, repent, believe. Jesus is death, burial, resurrection, God with us, God in flesh, lived a perfect, sinless life, uh, you know, 
ask him to, through faith to, you know, give you eternal life, make you born again to save you, repent, stop doing what you know you shouldn't be doing and follow this Jesus in the Bible. And they never really give Adam much thought for however they're able to manage that. Um, I would have a hard time calling that person a heretic um, because they may just not understand. But if they start getting any understanding and then they're like, oh, okay, now I see that without a literal Adam, then that causes a lot of theological problems. Well, then it becomes more important because, you know, it's like Spider-Man. You know, with more more power comes more responsibility. So with more knowledge, you know, you're you're I mean, you know, to get biblical, like what's the thing it talks about? Like, um, <clears throat> I don't want to mess up scripture. Could someone help me out? Like where it talks about, you know, the more, you know, basically the more you're accountable for. Um, I have no idea where there is some somewhere in the Bible. I'm probably messing it up. But the point is, you know, once they start learning about Adam, they're like, oh, this guy, it says it was literal. So if he wasn't, then that messes up, you know, some stuff about Jesus down the road. Um, then I think it would be more important. But if they're just like, oh, Adam, uh, yeah, he was the first guy. Or, well, see, even that, I'm the first guy God created. But if you don't think he's literal, be like, yeah, I, I think I know a story about that. I, I wouldn't call that person not a Christian. I'd say they just need to be discipled. Yeah, Dana, I was going to ask you, when do you differentiate between saying heretic versus, let's say, someone has a incoherent uh, faith? To use a you know, um, I don't like talking about people when they're not here. Let me see if they're here. But, you know, it's very subjective. So I, I would just say for, for great examples we know and love, um, I would say baptize and Bob. I'm very comfortable saying capital H, just a heretic with all the love of Christ. Um, Sorry, I, I hope I they change their ways. So Bob, I just want to yes, say, sure. I'll put a link there. Please read that in when you get a chance. It's the origins <clears throat> of how Islam spread. It's a letter exchange between the last Persian king and uh, the second caliph of Islam. Uh, where is, where's the link in, in the chat? chat or did oh okay yeah uh yes thank yes, you so i it. will no worries i will copy this and do this oh rosalie says luke twelve forty eight. thank you uh, uh nate yes i think that the passage i mean maybe others can chime in about this the passage about heretics for example, I, I've quoted this before where Paul says, a heretic after the first and second admonition reject. I'm just trying a heretic was something that caused uh, division. Like, that's actually what the word means. And someone else can correct me. I think someone who caused division. I, I'm assuming it deals with one of the things it dealt with is uh, some of the teaching doctrinal, I guess, heresy, serious doctrinal uh, error, like maybe denying the deity of Christ or denying the gospel of Christ. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe other people can chime in. I think it's someone who causes division. That's well, yeah, if someone knows what. Yeah. yeah, to back up a second, Luke twelve forty eight. Thanks, Rosalie. Uh, yeah, but to the one who did not know and uh, did what deserved a beating, he will receive a light beating. Everyone whom much was given, of him much will be required, and from him uh, to whom they entrust, they will demand uh, the more. So that's what I was thinking of. Um, hang on, let me copy that uh, thing that. Persian print shared real fast so I can remember it for later. And yeah, uh, Edwin. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and that's a question, right? Like, is all heresy or um, I, I maybe there's not a good way to say it. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, like capital H heretic, right? Like uh, so far outside the faith, you're you're just not not in any sense of the word Christian. And mm -hmm. then there would be like, I think a lot of the people would say, like, you know, church fathers, because, you know, they had, like, incomplete writings and texts, and, you know, they were still piecing together everything. I think a lot of people would say, you know, like, some of these church fathers, 
the ones that some would say, yes, are saved, um, still like dabbled or tiptoed into heresy, um, you know, because they were still fleshing out their views, like in different writings and stuff. And, you know, whether they were questioning or stating um, a lot of it tiptoed around heresy, which was, you know, outside of kind of what became orthodox teaching. So I, I don't even think we would say everyone that kind of like gets close to heresy is a heretic as in, you know, their, their portion is the lake of fire forever. Um, I mean, it, it could be, you know, a bad understanding or, or something like you said, um, like a gross misunderstanding, not like intentionally or willfully deceiving. I don't know. That's a good question. Silverstar, what do you think about that? Are all people who, um, I guess, I don't even know how I'm trying to word it, but are all heretics actually heretics uh, well, or just misunderstood? I don't even know how to make well, that question. No, I appreciate that. Uh, sort of my wheelhouse. I, I studied church history. It was what my major was in college, uh, a four-year degree in history. And I was specialized in church history. Uh, I just love the subject. And it's just, you know, it's a huge ball of wax. And you just realize no one can really be an expert in in church history because the, the amount of of volumes you'd have to read, you, you, you can't, you don't even have enough lifetimes uh, where you to live 500 years to become an expert in every area. I did my best to um, become uh, more specialized in the Reformation period. Um, but I have studied, of course, um, and taking uh, classes on every time period in church history. They, they try to divide it in 200 to 300 year time blocks, typically the way the courses are offered in, in undergraduate work. Uh, to get my degree in history from the University of California, uh, Santa Barbara, way back when. <laughs> and so I would say that uh, heresy is defined as unorthodox doctrine, which orthodox doctrine simply means right teaching. Now, right teaching is described as those who have a, a correct understanding of Scripture, because you can misinterpret Scripture. There are considered good interpretations and there's bad interpretations of Scripture. Like Origen, we mentioned earlier, over-allegorized uh, much of the Bible. In other words, to the point where, you know, Adam wasn't even a real person. And so we, uh, so councils often convened in church history at different times when controversies became so divisive that um, communities, fractures, even war broke out uh, within different uh, regions of the world. And so many of these councils literally were convened to avoid bloodshed and war amongst factions and people uh, anathematizing one another. In other words, condemning and accursing one another to hell because of their different views. Uh, Arianism, uh, which denied the divinity of Christ, which basically said that Christ was a created being. Uh, and there were different brands of Arianism following, uh, the, he was a bishop, by the way, uh, uh, Arius was. And uh, he was promoting this idea, and, and so much so that uh, there was, you could even argue that a majority of Christendom, of the bishops and those who represented uh, their church communities, um, probably held to that view. And uh, there was there's the or vehemently opposed those like Athanasius, and so there were those were the two major personalities that were at, at debate, and there were they had their own followers, and Athanasius brought his followers to the Council of Nicaea, which was convened by the emperor uh, after many appeals because bloodshed was breaking out all over the empire, and then 
the followers of Athanasius against the followers of Arius. And so they settled this, um, one of the first, early, well, not the first, but one of the earliest, what we call ecumenical councils. And they came up with creedal statements, confessional statements. And that one is called, often is called the Nicene Creed. And the Nicene Creed articulates the divinity of Christ and what it means and gave scriptural proofs for it. And so you could say that Athanasius' argument for the divinity of Christ carried the day, won the day, and became orthodox as we know it. Uh, and although there have been many Arians uh, that have risen to prominence and power within uh, Christianity and the history of the church and in different parts of the world. So, so we look at those things which define us essentially as Christian. And I sent you an article uh, by Christianity Today that appeared last fall that said there are five what we would consider classically essential doctrines of the faith that now the average evangelical doesn't adhere to or subscribe to. So that means there's a major paradigm shift or fracturing going on within American Christianity that they can't agree, for example, that Jesus is not a created being. According to this Christianity Today article, which is based on a, a broad-scale survey, I believe, of over 30,000 evangelicals, states that 73% of evangelicals believe that Christ was a created being. That's Arianism. And it's rank heresy. It means you're not a Christian, historically or confessionally, from the time of the Nicene Creed moving forward. So this kind of a room is essential for promoting and underscoring the importance of orthodox, or what we call right teaching, that's all that orthodox means, it means correct doctrine, that, the, the importance of correct doctrine. Because without it, you may not even be a Christian, even though you think you are one. Um, Silver Star, so I want to push back on the 73% number. Could it be that people are just not understanding the question correctly and the implications behind it? So when you, so mm -hmm. it's a, is Christ a created being? Like, could people just be misinterpreting the weight of that question? Oh, I think you're right about that. I, I think, but you know where that would come from? A lack of theological education. People just simply aren't trained up in the scriptures anymore. They, they mean, do not. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Nate. Well, yeah. well I, mean, that, I mean, that's a pretty tough one to mess up. Like, I, I was about to say, like, you know, that I, I thought of an example. Like, if someone, you know, um, was talking about the Trinity and, you know, they gave an example that was clearly, you know, like the egg or something that was clearly like a modalism. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't be like, oh, heretic. I'd be like, well, no, they, they have a right concept. They're just explaining it in a horrible way. Um, that may be an example. But, yeah, I mean, not to, to think like, you know, even most atheists um, who turns out they were mostly raised in Christian households. But, you know, most of them, um, probably even if there's any on stage left, or maybe Michael, if he's back. Um, you know, they're going to know, oh, well, Christians believe that, you know, Jesus, Jesus is God and Jesus has always existed. Like, I mean, that's that's a really low bar that most people get. So to mess up Jesus being God, um, whether or not they believe it, like people know that's that's kind of the Christian paradigm, how the story goes. Well, Nate, I'm um, suggesting we're disconnecting the two things. So I would bet if you take the same person and say, hey, is Jesus a part of the Trinity? Many of them would say yes. And then was Jesus, is Jesus a created being? Many of them would say yes. So what I'm saying to you is that I don't think many of them understand that question or not getting it. So do, do you follow what I'm saying? I follow what you were saying. I'm yeah. just saying that's a very special person. Well, I'll speak for myself because 
I think that there are different levels that you arrive at as you grow in faith. And not everybody has a theological education, quote unquote. Some people come into the faith by the Holy Spirit, just, you know, and when they get to the point where, um, you know, it took me a long time to, to even realize that, you know, Jesus was necessarily God, you know, because he was giving us this example of obeying his Father in heaven which is what we should have been doing, which is what we should all do. So he was showing us. And so one could argue that he's a created being, but also a manifestation of God. I mean, this is ridiculous. Like, we don't, we, I mean, I don't know. I, I just, I feel like sometimes we get hung up on these things to the point where it's like, we're going to tell you what's the defined doctrine. And this, some people may actually be sincere believers and they're trying to understand things to their level. And I just think it's. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's play it out for a second. Right. One view of it. So Jesus flesh was created. So therefore Jesus was a created being like someone could say that. Right. If they say that, sure. But I mean, I will immediately tell them what I believe to be, you know, a better way of saying that. I mean, you can nuance anything out, but I mean, you know, the traditional understanding is, you know, Jesus has always existed. So if we're talking about the guy, Jesus, Yeshua, who walked around, um, you know, in, in robes and sandals, then yeah, he, he, that incarnation has existed for like, you know, just over 2000 years. But that very same person, that very same being has always existed, right? Like John one, like the word became flesh and, you know, the word, Jesus created everything, sustains, upholds everything in existence. Without Jesus, we we don't have this conversation. We have nothing. The universe doesn't exist. Um, so if someone says, well, Jesus was a created being in that sense, okay, sure. Now I understand where you're coming from, but then I would say everything I just said. Yeah, so uh, so I think that accounts for the majority of the 73% that Silver Star just referenced. But most yeah, people don't yeah. know that as soon as when they first come to faith. Most people don't know that. You have to study and learn to get there. Well, it's interesting because, I mean, like, so, yeah, just because, you know, somebody kind of mentioned me a few minutes ago. Yeah, like, so, I mean, you you may look at it as a somewhat nuanced position, but like I I said to Nate earlier, like, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. It's not hard to understand, like, even, like, like, looking at it from the Christian perspective. No, I don't believe it anymore. But when I was when I was a believer, and and I think still, even now not believing it, I think, you know, like one that the Trinitarian view is the only one that you can reconcile biblically, and 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 Nate mentioned a couple of, of verses, you know, where I, I'm not sure how you don't read the Bible, just a simple reading of the Bible. I'm not sure how you read that and don't take away that Jesus was God and that it was just you know God made flesh. Like I'm not sure how you come to that uh, thing, but but. Um, but I, I, can, I guess I can understand. Like there are Unitarians, right? They exist. Uh, I'm not sure how they reconcile it, but they have within their own heads. So, but anyway. All right. All right so here, here's a real fun one, Nate and Silver Star. So this is this is from the same survey. Hang on, Cap. We'll get right to you. Uh, yeah. Sorry. One second. Okay. Um, so this same survey from Lifeway. Seventy-two percent of Christians say they believe in the Trinity. Fifty-two percent of Christians say Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not a god. 
Is that true? Yeah, I want to know what kind of Christians these are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's um so I guess the, it was widely distributed. Uh over thirty thousand people. And then what they did is Lifeway and people at Christianity Today, they culled the survey uh for those who identify self-identified as evangelicals. Now, traditionally and typically, evangelicals have also identified themselves as Bible-believing fundamentalists. What they found out in this most recent survey, it was for the first time that evangelicals, a majority of them, did not accept the Bible as the literal word of God. There's, there's, there's the chink in the armor. Yeah, I think that's a—I mean, that makes me think—and, Cap, I promise we're coming to you right after this. Uh, I mean, that makes me think, like, if you have an—like, you can call yourself— whatever you want, but are you really, right? Like if you, if you say have an apple, you're like, this is banana. I mean, I know that's the popular thing in our culture now to say you are something you're not. Ahem. Anyways, but I, I mean, you can say it all day long, but I mean, that's like, if you say you're an evangelical and you also, you know, dispute the, you know, the accuracy of the Bible or the, you know, the Bible is the word of God or whatever you just said, Silver, if you dispute that, well, are you really? Like traditionally that doesn't, that doesn't fit the definition. So I can, that makes me think like whenever I have, I have tons of neighbors here who are like, uh, New York Catholics, like lifelong, and they say they're Catholic, and you know they're like, "Oh, I'm super religious, bro. I'm super Catholic, super Catholic." I'm like, "Oh, okay. Where do you go to church?" And they're like, "Oh, I actually don't. You know, I'll just find something on Midnight Mass on Christmas." I'm like, "Oh, well, well so how Catholic are you?" And after talking to him for five minutes, it's like they like go to church like twice a year and just some random Mass, um, maybe, and they identify as like full on staunch like Catholic, like you know, a step away from the Pope. But when you talk to them, it's like, oh, they're not really Catholic at all. Like Catholics would say they're not Catholic. Um, so I wonder if it's like that type of evangelical. But um, Cap, uh, I, I said you were next. What's up, Cap? Uh, appreciate it. What's going on, everybody? Um, for the one that mentioned the 72% of Christians and the other percent of Christians, all Christians do not believe in the Bible. The things that they believe is not there. There's no such thing as a trinity. There's no such thing as Adam not being a man. There's no such thing as Adam being the first man created and Eve the first woman created. Those things are not in the Bible. And Christianity is not even founded and rooted on the scriptures. It, it's, it's all based on lies. So, so what, what is the, the comparison uh, well, to Christianity and the Bible? When well, you're yeah, like well, it's actually not, Nate. I would love it if Silverstar and Albie could tag team this guy for like 10 minutes because, unfortunately, um, I've got about 15 minutes left, and I have to run. But I, I want um, – you know, you said a lot of stuff, Cap, and I would love if you could like link just any sort of evidence at all um, for your claims. But I, I would like uh, Silverstar and Albie, if you guys could, um, yeah. take turns answering this guy. Um, but I, I'll be getting ready in the background, and then in about 15 minutes, I'll have to run unless someone wants to moderate. Um, so, yeah. yeah, Silver and Albie, go for it. Yeah, be honored to, brother. Uh, I think I already read uh, from Genesis 5.1 where it's plainly and clearly, unequivocally states that God created Adam as the first man. And then later, and then earlier, he said, we let us create man and woman in our image. Of course, uh, that's the Elohim in the Hebrew. So... Cap, again, uh, demonstrates that he doesn't know Scripture, nor does he know the God of the Scriptures. And so, and yet he wants to impugn the Scriptures. So just saying something doesn't make it true. Just calling someone a heretic doesn't make it so. You know 
who the Christians are by their love for one another, for whom Christ died. That's how you know someone's a Christian or not. Do they have love for the body of Christ? Do they love his people? That's how we know who the true Christians are, by their love for one another. Amen. Now, now those who... Now, now, those who do not know the Lord, uh, who do think they do, uh, you can sort them out quite easily by are they able to articulate the fundamentals of the faith? Uh, I shared with you, Nate, and I know you'll appreciate that. CARM.org has an amazing doctrine table that identifies eight essential foundational truths. Now, those are extrapolated from the ecumenical councils and the confessions of faith that were articulated from in church history in different time periods, mostly in the early church history, because Protestants, Eastern Orthodox, and Roman Catholics agree on those first five councils. There's no difference of opinion about what we hold uh, to be true and essential Christianity. Uh, now, there may be some different um, deductions that are that are taken from those, but essentially th those things, you cannot call yourself a Christian and reject one of the five first early councils of the church. That's just what defines orthodoxy, what defines right teaching, historically speaking. So that's how we know. And that's how we can then use the word heresy instead of just banding it about as some sort of invective or ad hominem. That's not the point. That's not why we go around calling people heretics. They would have to deny an essential point of doctrine or faith. Now, there are what we call secondary essentials uh, of, of doctrine, which can be considered heresy, but not damnable heresy. It could be considered doctrine to be avoided. And churches do break up and split, and different factions will, will form based on those secondary essentials. And then there are the tertiary considerations, which usually have to do with applications of truths of Scripture. We call that orthopraxy, or correct practice of the faith, like people who might uh, start talking about uh, the role of, for example, female pastors, which is not a historical position uh, to be held. That's, a, that's more of a, of a new advent in, in, the, in the history of the church, uh, a new development. But we wouldn't consider that uh, heresy per se. We consider that a tertiary uh, consideration or a misapplication or bad practice of conservative orthodox doctrine or historical teaching of the faith. We call that bad orthopraxy. So um, again, but they're all connected. Of course, loving one another, loving our enemies, uh, and, and bearing with one another. And all of those things are considered orthopraxy. Uh, not slandering. Again, orthopraxy. Adhering to the Ten Commandments in our life as, as a revelation of who God is. Because we know that the Ten Commandments represent the heart of God. They are the moral law of God, which apply to all humans everywhere. We don't, we don't abrogate the Ten Commandments. That's not part of what we call the abrogated law of God. The Ten Commandments are the universal moral law of God applicable to each and every generation because it reveals the heart and holiness of who God is. I, you know, Albie hasn't spoken yet. Love to hear from him. Uh, I, I'd like to have Albie address Cap uh, in all the, the the various denials that he he said. And, and you don't have to sum up your denials. We we heard plenty. We heard them. Can, quite can we address Cap. what you said first? Uh, well, I first want to hear from Albie. He, he hasn't just, spoken he yet. A lot of, just, no, no. Sorry, no, 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 sir. You'll listen first to Albie, and then we'll he, get a chance said, to respond. 
I said, no, no sir, I wanna, not yet. I want to respond to what you yeah. just said. Not yet. Hold it. Uh, because Nate asked Albie and myself to respond to you first, and then you'll be able to answer back, okay? Just to be fair. So, uh, yeah, Albie, uh, if you had comments about, I'm sure there was much I didn't say uh, to repudiate. Here's a guy who drops like seven assertions, and then he and then he doesn't want us to address them. And then he wants to, I didn't even address all seven of his denials of scripture. But uh, but anyways, if you want to pick up on any of that, I'll be pleased to do so. Yeah, no, good morning. You did a pretty good job. I only came up here because, uh, you know, I I, rec I know who he is. So I just figured uh, he's not a big fan of me. But nevertheless, though, we've had <laughs> discussions before. So I just came uh, in case. But it uh, looks like you guys did a pretty good job on covering the basics. So he, he did He did end up leaving. Okay, I, I thank you. I'd like to uh, address. Some and, of this. And, and by um, the way, just for the people that are, um, aren't familiar uh, with him, he is a uh, Hebrew Israelite. So that's just that's that's where he's coming from. So I am familiar with him, and he's familiar with me as well. I am usually in the business of defending the Southern Baptist Church, but I also have experienced the, you know, experienced it. And when you have Sunday school, when I started out as a child, because I'm a grandmother, we had flannel boards where we learned the stories, right? And the word, the word was the word. It was the ultimate word. And that was the respect it was given. And then they decided that flannel boards weren't nice. Explain that to me, you know, that they weren't relevant. And we had a, we got new Sunday school material that was about being nice. And there were some scriptures in front, taken from the Bible to build a lesson for adults on being nice. Okay. So it is not surprising to me that a person who is Southern Baptist might not know scripture. Uh, the be nice uh, materials drove me crazy. So I went and sat in the pastor's class and we walked through the Bible verse by verse. But um, since this is the experience of a lot of Christians, I'm just not surprised. My daughter-in-law went to seminary. She's Assembly of God. <clears throat> uh, since knowing me, she decided that there is a Trinity, that the Trinity is the Trinity, and stated to me after having gone to seminary that I need more Bible than she did. You know, that's a, that's a, star, that's a sorry state of affairs. When you have gone to seminary and you know more than your, your mother-in-law, you don't know more than your mother-in-law about the Bible. So this is how we have come to this sorry state of affairs. I have sat in Sunday school with adult people my age who absolutely could not possibly have read the book or know any of the principles because they've sat in, the, in church for years in the B&I Sunday school classes, and that is the extent of study that they have. I don't often just agree easily with Silver Star, but we are on the same page on this one uh, matter. Uh, often I do think that things are semantics, and um, <clears throat> I believe that people can be in these denominations and truly love Christ, and they just have not been taught good theology. But um, I'm praying that is so. I'll say that. I'm praying that that is so. Uh, good morning, you guys.
Thanks, Charlie. Um, yeah, Ali, you were starting to comment, I think. Uh, did you want to address any of those issues? Um, and um, that, that that cap, you said you were familiar with him. I guess he's a Hebrew Israelite, as you, identif as you identified from earlier interactions. Uh, did you want to address, uh, per Nate's uh, request, even from the Old Testament about Adam being a historical person? I think we already identified him in the genealogies we see from Luke 3.38. He's in the genealogy of Christ. So he wanted to identify, not him, but another, a, pre a previous interlocutor, wanted to say that, oh, well, Jesus is a historical person, but not Adam. I think that was void. I don't remember exactly, but so you, we have already someone in here. They're all over the map, but I, I hopefully Nate won't mind, but I, I uh, pinned to the room and I'll put back the uh, podcast link that Nate had in there earlier. But uh, since we're, this is what's under review right now are the top five heresies among evangelicals. We had discussed um, to some extent uh, in another room. You can figure out if you're a heretic or not. <laughs> if you take the 35 question survey that this um, is based upon, uh, the data that's that's extrapolated uh, to come up with these top five heresies. Uh, it's it's the State of Theology exam at stateoftheology.org, and you can go there and take the exam for yourself. Um, Thirty-five questions. I believe there's a link to the survey in the uh, Christianity Today article, but this was an article again that came out last fall. Oh uh, yeah, Albie, if but if there's something else you'd like, like to bring up or address. Yeah, you know, I, I pretty much, you know, you guys did a good job on, on defending the, uh, you know, Adam being a literal uh, historic figure. Uh, you guys did pretty good on that. You know, I pretty much base it on this, right? Christ affirmed Adam, Christ affirmed Noah, right? And because Christ has resurrected, I'm going to take his word over modern scholarship, because this is all a product of modern scholarship, and it's meant to deteriorate your faith. It's meant to question, put the question your faith so that in other places, you're going to come also to start questioning. It's the ancient principle of um, you know, sowing doubt in a person's mind. In Genesis 3.1, are you sure God said and that's it's it, that it's just it all stems from really that. What's interesting though is what when Moses writes the narrative of uh, the creation of Adam account in Genesis chapter two, you'll notice what he does is he writes about he writes the actual geographical um, area in where Eden was. I'm sorry, in where the garden was. By naming current rivers and current places like Cush, Assyria, and other places to show you that and to show the reader, not the reader of 2023, but the reader of that first generation coming out of Exodus, that these are real historic places in which the historic backdrop, backdrop of everything falls back on, you know, um, on these. So when Moses is writing... He's going to use historic landscapes as a, as a, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Not as a monument, but really as a landmark in order to, in order for the reader to discern that these are actual historic events that took place once upon a time. Here are the current places in where, you know, 
in where obviously Assyria didn't exist during Genesis chapter two, but he's naming it um, in the same way he would like, for example, let me go to the other one that comes to mind would be Genesis 28 verse verse. I believe it's 21 or 22, but let me just take a look at it just to give you an example of this. So Genesis 28, what we have here is in Genesis 28 verse 18 and on, he called that name, and 19 says, and he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of that city had been Luz previously, right? To show you that these are real historic places. So I just wanted to kind of put that in there, but you, you guys did a really good job on, uh, you know, highlighting the fact that, you know, w- without a literal Adam or historic Adam, we don't have a historic last Adam. Well, you know, you know, you go, I'm, I'm al- yeah, I was just gonna say, I'm almost annoyed by the way this question is asked in the survey that you that you put. Which question? It was, um, Jesus is the first and greatest cre- being created by God. I had to take a double take on that myself for a second, right? Because, like, one Why? could read that and say. Oh, okay, yeah. So this is agreeing that, like, Jesus existed before Adam. You know, Jesus has been around for a long time. So you you, you almost do have to do a double take on it. So I understand how a lot of people fell from a trap door on that one, because that almost seems like it was designed to be a trap door. Well, whenever you see the word created being... I don't see the trap door. Do you, Albie? Well, but, I mean, it, but it says first and greatest, absolutely not. right? Yeah. So, so in other words, the first thing that comes to my mind is Arianism. Yeah, it's really, it ferrets out those who have an understanding of God. Now, I don't think someone made the comment or the remark earlier that, well, we're not all theologians. Well, sure we are. We're all theologians to the extent that we have some level of knowledge of God. Some just have a very poor knowledge of God. Some are bad theologians. Theology just simply means the study of God. Everybody has some idea of who or of what God is as presented in scripture or not. But everybody's a theologian, just some worse than others. Uh, And and I didn't coin that uh, phrase. Uh, Dr. Sproul himself did. He was one of the main progenitors of the original survey, uh, which was taken up by Lifeway and and Ligonier Ministries. So of course, Dr. Sproul has passed on, but he was professor of systematic theology at Reformed Theological Seminary out of Orlando. Uh, he, he was no lightweight, you know, authored, I believe, over 200 books and articles and thousands, literally thousands of sermons. And um, and audio, both audio and video are available on YouTube. And maybe many of you know who he is or know who he was. Uh, but like the first one that, that pops up here, I think is revealing, very revealing. That they, the people aren't taking the Bible to be literally true. And now that's up from 41% to 53% in just a mere six years. Tells you the seminal shift that's happening in our society. So 53% now of evangelicals, of self-identifying evangelicals, 